and welcome to Way Too Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, where I, your host Jeremy, explores the possible repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Come and let's enjoy some tunes. Hello everyone, so this is a bit of a, a, a bizarre episode here. Um, it's kind of a, a combination of things. I recorded some lovely music um, and, and kind of one of my favorite recording spots over the summer when I was at Fort William Historical Park. Had a good good visit up there, got to see my good buddy Abe Zatek, who is, uh, I, I feel like I'm sleeping on the job of doing uh, bagpipe fur trade research, because every once in a while Abe will just drop some absolute gem in my uh, inbox of like, hey, I just found this reference to a George Mackay who played border pipes and studied with McCrimmons. Do you think that's our George Mackay? <laughs> like, oh my god. Uh, and the other one he recently found was uh, that Miles McDonnell, uh, who was uh, governor of Assiniboia, the Hudson's Bay Company's colony uh, here on the Red River, and maybe more famously, Miles McDonnell's father is John McDonnell of Scotus. If people are big into Jacobite history, uh, John McDonnell went off and was... Uh, officer in the Spanish military and uh, basically showed up too late to resupply uh, the Jacobite army. He showed up kind of after Culloden and has this interesting, kind of has an interesting book uh, where he talks about his travels through uh, anyway, travels through Scotland, kind of evading, avoiding capture and being robbed and things of that sort. But he had two kids, John McDonnell and Miles McDonnell. John McDonnell wound up serving for the uh, Northwest Company on the Red River, and Miles McDonnell wound up being the governor of a colony on the Red River for the Hudson's Bay Company, very much on kind of two opposing sides of this. But anyway, Miles McDonnell out here on the Red River ordered a set of Union pipes. He ordered a set of Irish pipes to kind of tickle his fancy. Uh, Abe hasn't been able to find whether those pipes ever showed up or not, but it feels pretty cool to be like, man, George Mackay lives on the Red River with his Highland pipes, and uh, possibly Miles McDonnell also eventually had a set of Irish pipes. And based on what Abe found, maybe George Mackay was a border piper. Who knows? Um, Anyway, I was hoping to record a bit of talking with Abe, uh, and we never got around to it, but we did spend some time hanging out and playing some tunes in Boucher's canteen, and I recorded a playing uh, Feg for a Kiss, and uh, listening back to yourself, for me, listening back to myself is a, a really humbling experience when I like hear, hear me talk in the wild and I'm excited to be able to music nerd with people, and like, oh, when I was at Fort William, I had a real tendency just to be a jerk, uh, was sort of my response, so you can hear me kind of be rude to Abe here, because uh, I'm so excited to see him and talk music and whatever. But uh, here's him doing a lovely presentation or performance of Feg for a Kiss on a German flute, uh, which is an instrument I, again, had kind of no idea what it was other than seeing it in the records. Uh, and really, I'm familiar with it from the um, the Aubrey Maturin series, right? Uh, several times, um, <laughs> Aubrey and, and Maturin and Patrick O'Brien's books will complain about another midshipman with a German flute. Um, and so I was like, I don't know what that is. And I had a visitor one time who was also an O'Brien fan. Was like, Hey, what's a German flute? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, and then again, in true to form, saw Abe one time up at Fort William Historical Park, and he had one. Uh, and I was like, Oh, that's a German flute. It's, it's not this. I'm sure that it's more complicated than that. But it feels like it's the predecessor to what we think of as an Irish flute today. So anyway, here is Abe ripping out "Fig for a Kiss" on uh, a German flute with me being rude to him afterwards. <laughs> 
Is that that's technically fig for a kiss, though? I think. Tell me the difference. I think I think fed for a kiss is the eighteenth century tune, but it's a different tune. Is it really? Yeah. Well, I could be wrong, but I think. No, I, you're I think that right. was the case because I was like, "Oh, fed for a kiss, fuck <laughs> yeah, eighteenth century tune, play it." That's not that tune. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like trip up the stairs is another one. They're, oh, tripping yeah. up the stairs, not at all tripping up the stairs. Right. Okay. Yeah, I knew yeah. about tripping. I didn't realize. Uh... Ugh, yeah, I don't know. I was, uh, I've already kind of <laughs> apologized to Abe a couple times for the, uh, essentially, um, actuallying him. And, you know, I feel silly because then I, I got home. I don't, I'm sure people relive this stuff. I was so excited. I was so giddy to be around my friends. This whole trip, uh, I recorded myself talking and hanging out with my, like, friends I hadn't seen kind of before COVID. And, uh, like I recorded us singing and talking around the campfire and just like, man, my default mode with some of my, like some of my oldest friends, my, my default mode really slips back into edgelord, uh, kind of mean, mean, just mean teenager, you know, people I met as a teenager, I still slip into teenage masculine douchebag, uh, behavior. So, so like, sure, technically fig for a kiss and fag for a kiss are like a different tune maybe. Um, but looking at Feg for a Kiss, there's a setting for it in Robert Bremner's collection from the 1750s, like, it is so clearly, like, it's the same tune, you know, it's just some, it's, it's, it's also a 9-8, and it would make, like, playing the tune Fig for a Kiss, which is probably, like, the older title for it is Milking the Churn, um, or something like that, um, in, in Gaelic anyway, uh, it's like, it's very much like, it makes sense for those to be like a four part set. So anyway, just for, for reference here, here is, um, Feg for a Kiss from Robert Bremner's collection of, uh, Scots Reels or Country Dances. I think this is the one from the 1760s-ish, uh, but you know, all that Bremner stuff is sort of hard to peg down. Yeah, so that's uh, Bremner's Feg for a Kiss into um, kind of the old setting for Fig for a Kiss, uh, like I said, called Milk at uh, Milk the Churn, or Gilgar uh, Vader, I think. Um, but that's from Dance Music of Ireland, from Levy, from 1873 or so. I got that off a of traditional tune archive. And, like, 
I was I was talking with Abe about this in the immediate aftermath when I was kind of driving back from the event and listening to the recordings I got. And so many, it was, we were, I was recording in a tavern. Abe and I played this amazing set together in the main square of Fort William Historical Park. I didn't record any of it because there's visitors all around, but we were playing in the tavern after hours and there was just so many people coming and going that kind of all the good, like all the good music that I recorded was sort of ruined from people kind of walking into the bar and screaming at the top of their lungs or whatever. Uh, in other words, it felt like a 19th century tavern pretty accurately, I think. Um, but yeah, I was, I was talking with Abe about it afterwards and like, those are different tunes, but like, or they're different, um, versions, but to me, the bones are the same. And, um, you know, Abe and I have both been positioned, I think Abe longer than me now of, you know, playing historic tunes, uh, for, for modern audiences at like, at historic sites. And a lot of times you kind of default to playing the modern stuff that you know, that you know has like, um, uh, that has some older roots, you know, just because you're kind of always on the spot and playing tunes and, you know, visitors don't know the difference anyway. Like there's not a, like other than a random bagpipe podcaster who's kind of a prick being within earshot when you say, here I am going to play an 18th century tune, Fig for a Kiss, who then can say, well, actually that proper tune's called Fig for a Kiss and you played something else. And I think even my, um, actually was wrong. Um, but anyway, uh, like you just, you know, visitors don't care and the music is similar enough. But I think, I really think Feg for a Kiss, I think that is, that to me, they sound similar enough that I can, I can feel that enough variations, enough people can play different variations of Feg for a Kiss that it could very much lead to Fig for a Kiss. And anyway, uh, what Abe and I shared and the opinion of is like, if you're playing a modern setting of a tune, like, yeah, we know it came from a modern thing, but, um, and I'll, I'll get into this in my season eight episode, I suppose. But like, I, I think ultimately all this comes down to, do you think that, you know, like folk or traditional music as it were, has gotten more or less diverse in the, you know, last 200 years. Um, and I think it's painfully obvious to me anyway, that it has gotten way less diverse than it used to be. Um, and so like, if you can imagine a different way to play a tune, chances are good that somebody historically, when the, there was so much more music and so many, um, well, so much more variations, I guess, is what I would say. Like, so many more people playing in relative isolation from one another uh, and kind of developing local town favorite styles, you know, um, and in relative isolation, like still connecting with people enough to have outside influences. But, um, when you're, when you have to perform live for people and that's the only music they get, that means you play more often and town particulars can, can come into existence. Like you can be known for a certain way of playing it and there's more people doing that. So therefore more diversity, Ugh, talking myself into a circle here. Uh, anyway, thanks Abe. And, uh, thanks for the tune and all of the, the happy little bagpipe history nuggets that you dropped my way. Um, I was, I, someday I really want to get Abe on just to, just to talk because all of the, all the coolest stuff that I've ever heard about bagpipes in the fur trade in the last 10 years has come for him, uh, come from him rather than stuff that I have found. So, uh, really one day I want to revisit the kind of overall bagpipes in the fur trade talk. Uh, okay. The uh, bulk of what I'm going to play for you from Fort William is there's a there's kind of a weird spot I was trying to capture, and I remember for years I, I 
well, one summer in particular, I volunteered at Fort William a lot because it's just over the border from Grand Portage. Um, and then occasionally after that, I would kind of drop in from time to time. And there was a spot where you can play bagpipes kind of next to the Birchbark Canoe Shed, like where they built the Birchbark Canoes there. And you kind of point towards, it's in the back corner of the fort, and if you point towards the Palisade in a certain way, it just echoes in a really neat way. So um, the last day of the the event, I hid my recorder and went and tried to find that spot and, and capture it. So this is just a bunch of me playing Highland Pipes. This is uh, right as I was trying to finish up um, Roly Poly. So I think these are a lot of Roly Poly sets uh, from, from my album Roly Poly, but you can hear them performed on that Kintail Chanter at Fort William Historical Park.
Yeah, so it was it was interesting. You know, Madeline Island, uh, that, that other Way Too Twog in the Wild episode I posted, it was sort of easy. That, that gig is just me playing to try to attract people to this museum, whereas, you know, Fort William Historical Park is a um, first-person, generally speaking, kind of interpretive site, so everybody's walking around pretty serious about pretending it's 1815, um, and so feels weird to record anything. So I didn't get many recordings. I had a lot of really amazing music things. Uh, I gave a pretty long presentation on bagpipes uh, of the Northwest Company, and it was attended by... There's another musician there uh, giving presentations uh, named Daniel Laxler, who's also a PhD, or also a historian, and has a book on listening to the fur trade. And it's pretty great getting here, his talk. I'm hoping to have him uh, on the podcasts, if, if not this one, on the... Uh, an ABC podcast and I've got the Voyager Express at some point, but just had a really, really good time, but didn't really get a chance to record much music as much as I got to play a bunch of music and the things I did record kind of didn't work out. So, uh, that's, that's going to be it. So it's sort of a short episode. Uh, and yeah, I've had a, a busy couple weeks here with school and, uh, I, I just started the Ojibwe language table up here at the University of North Dakota on top of like having all the end of the semester grades. So a little bit sapped, but I, uh, I plan to, my hope is to have another episode out next week right away and kind of get back on schedule with full episodes. But, uh, things have kind of gone, um, funky and funky a little bit <laughs> with schedules and things like that. So anyway, thanks everybody for checking in and we'll, uh, you'll, you'll see me or some people anyway, uh, uh, on the next episode, uh, we'll leave you. It was kind of fun this summer traveling around to Madeline Island and to, uh, Fort William historical park and then to the Piper's gathering. It was like the first time taking physical CDs, any place to sell. When I went to Madeline Island. I sold them 15 CDs and when I went to, was it 15? I don't know. I sold a lot of CDs in Madeline Island and then went to uh, Fort William Historical Park and sold them about 15 CDs to like sell in the gift shop. I don't know about Madeline Island, but apparently they sold out at Fort William Historical Park, which feels really cool. So uh, speaking of, let's go out with uh, a set of tunes. Uh, we'll do some Illin piping since there hasn't been any Illin piping on this episode or last episode. So here's a track of me playing Illin pipes off my most recent album, Roly Poly. This is track 14 of 18 total. The tunes are Lady Eliza Callender's favorite, Miss Wardlaw's Real, Highland Fair, and Miss Anne Bain's Fancy. And all of these tunes come from that uh, <laughs> that collection of music that I just fell in love with last year, uh, Watlin's Celebrated Circus Tunes. Um, yeah, anyway, wicked good set. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, especially this episode that I'm not going to, like, blast everywhere. Uh, just appreciate you being on the feed, and like I said, should be back to a, a full-size episode uh, next week. We might even get a, an extra one in, so uh, if not, we'll see you in two weeks like normal, but I, I think I'll have a full-size episode for you as kind of an extra next week. Cheers.